0: Welcome to the Wayward Women podcast. We are two best friends who survived the same abusive partner 15 years apart. Our experience motivated us to share our stories and invite others to share their stories of survival, as well as provide information about abusive relationships. For more information about us and our services, visit waywardwomencoaching.com. As always, you are not crazy, and you are not alone.
1: it's Lara and michelle with the wayward women podcast hoping everybody's doing well today
0: hi everyone so glad to be back with you um we've been getting so much great feedback so thank you Um, I'm very excited for the guests that we have on today because I know that people are going to listen to this and they're going to hear their story, and it's a story that needs to be heard. So thank you for for your support and and listening. We appreciate it.
1: Yeah, we are so excited. So um, as some of you who've been following our show for a while, remember we've had Hannah Hollander on our show before. So we have Hannah back in season three. (laughs) Hannah is the... Season three. Season three, I know. And Hannah is the founder of speak your truth today which is amazing it's an amazing website and we will post all the links all over again um, on our socials and we have with hannah lisa joining us as well and we are so thankful that you're here because we know you have such an amazing story to share so i want to kind of just pass it over to you two already um just to kind of how do you guys know each other what's your connection and lisa would would love to hear your story so
2: awesome cool well yep i'm hannah and this is lisa lisa is a a volunteer for our team she's been a volunteer now for i think over two and a half years um and yeah so we call her the shenanigator on our on our team because she's always getting into shenanigans in the comment section but um, but yeah, Lisa is a, a really integral part of our um leadership team here at Speak Your Truth. And um and she really does have an incredible story to share um, that um you know many listeners need to, to hear. So I'm gonna hand it off to Lisa and she can introduce <laughs> herself and um yeah, start sharing her story.
3: Hello, okay, so I am Lisa and I've been involved with Speak Your Truth since it started and was brought onto the admin team. And part of why I feel like it's important for us to be here today and part of why I felt blessed to find Speak Your Truth is because voices like mine oftentimes are not heard. Hmm. A big thing for domestic violence and sexual assault Survivors like myself is believability, is lack of accountability for perpetrators, and also a lack of accessibility. And just to kind of highlight how big this issue is 83% of women, and this is just the female side, 83% of women with disability will be sexually assaulted at some point in their lives, Jeez. at least. 80. 83%.
1: 83. But I, also, think, I can't even. That's just the ones that. that
0: reported it, right? That's just the ones that reported yeah. it. And that's just the females. That's just the female side of the thing. That's not even the, women, the guys. Yeah. And trust me, it
3: happens to the guys. Mm-hmm. Okay? Let's just make that a point. Mm-hmm. And so um I found speak your truth as part of my healing journey after Leaving my abuser and having been out of that for, oh gosh, I'd been away from him and legally away from him for things that just wrapped up the year prior, but I had been, it had been a little over three years since I had left him. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just over five years out of my own situation with my abuser. But even prior to that, um, there was a point in my early 20s where I had a significant health issues and was in a long-term care facility for the better part of a year and here's one thing that people need to understand um nurses and cnas and people helpers can be predatory as well mm-hmm. oh, this is gonna be fun hmm. um let's just say i had to literally threaten to throw him out the window to get him to stop doing what he was doing Um, I was 22 and in a facility that is primarily for, um, older folks. We'll just put it that way.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: Most of whom had such cognitive decline that they could no longer speak or verbalize if anything was happening to them. Mm -hmm. So I was known as the mouthy one. I had a reputation there because Mm -hmm. I was insisting on being involved in my care. And so when what occurred with that CNA happened, there was never a police report. I knew better than to try to call the cops myself because I knew the minute that they showed up that the staff there would dismiss them because she's just the resident bitch. Mm. So um, it was pretty well known that if he ever stepped back in my room again, I would raise all holy hell so
1: i can't believe they well i can believe it but i just want to say it was it's really horrifying there was no consequences for this person Mm -hmm. yeah well and
0: i was thinking about too how you were sharing you know the significant health issues and my experience working with victims of domestic violence is oftentimes people who are abusive will target people who are vulnerable, which we're all gonna be vulnerable throughout our lives, right? But if someone has a really bad health issue, I can't even tell you how many times I've heard this, they will target that person knowing that they are probably gonna be able to assert power and control over them.
3: Oh, yeah. And I guarantee that that person that victimized me, I'm not the only one. I mean, I I made it
0: stop because I opened my big fat mouth. What about the residents that couldn't do that? Yeah, or you had a voice about stuff that was happening that's not okay, and um, you know, like I'm. Thank you for saying something because you helped other people, and that's not easy to do, or or even have to say that and then not be supported. Like, yeah, I can't. I can't even imagine. I I don't know.
3: Shortly after I was able to be discharged, um, that facility ended up closing down, and the two or three residents that were left still were sent to other facilities um but that was really the only reason that he stopped it there you know and i can't say if he went on to work at one of those other facilities or not but here's the thing this dude wasn't young he was probably close to retirement age oh how many prior to me how many before me right
0: you know because most of them have a history of domestic violence like it's not something specific about me or you that attracts this kind of thing it's the fact that these people have a Mm. pattern and they do it over and over again and they just use different tactics with different people Mm
2: -hmm. we were going through a mandated reporting training for our volunteers and uh, we saw this statistic that um child sexual abusers um have over like Something crazy like 250 victims or something like that in oh their lifetime. Gosh. Like that's the average. It's the average.
1: At least. Well, and I always think of what Michelle just said too—that they know of. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's that like that of. they know of. That's like so disgusting. And that's so horrible. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
3: And that going back to what one of you stated earlier about things like accessibility and being believed and um going on into my abusive relationship um that's part of why i had a hard time with leaving because um at one point i had worked at an independent living center and part of my job was knowing what public resources were available Mm -hmm. to people with disabilities and i had come to find out that the local domestic violence facility at the time this has since changed but at the time and on through that relationship um, was in a building that all their um, rooms for survivors were upstairs at the top of over 20 stairs with no elevator.
1: Are you, Lisa, are you comfortable to share with listeners what your disability is?
3: Oh, yeah. (laughs) Sorry, I probably should have said that earlier. Um, yeah, I was born with a congenital spinal cord defect I am a full-time wheelchair user Got my first set of wheels at the age of two So I just kind oh, of wow. say that i've been living I've like, sitting down for a couple of decades. Now. Okay so. <laughs> Okay
1: uh, you do, You're the you're the the shenaniganator and you're with your <laughs> wheels
0: <laughs> Well, and I, I don't know if you had uh, More around that, you wanted to share. I was also interested. I don't know if it's too soon to do this, but like how you met your ex abusive partner. I was gonna ask
1: that as well. Thanks for asking, like what,
0: yeah, just like how you met and how that how this person was, how they showed up in the beginning, Mm -hmm. and then the kind of the trajectory of like when you started noticing, like, whoa, something's not right. He and I had been college sweethearts.
3: Mm-hmm. Um, we were kind of that couple that when we didn't come to stuff, next thing I know, somebody's at my door. Are you guys okay? Right. Oh. No, I do have homework. <laughs> so um, got out of community college. And I should have seen this for the red flag that it was at the time. Um, immediately after leaving college, I went to go see him at what i knew at the time to be his apartment and he wasn't home called him he'd moved three hours away
1: without telling you
3: yeah i got a job opportunity i mean well i don't want to say where he went to but he was several hours away somewhere else and i was like okay and so he and i were actually apart for several years good probably four or five years ish and went through just establishing myself as an adult and getting into the real world and then had that health issue come up Mm. and immediately after that um, went straight back to my folks' place not only for finishing out my own physical recovery but my mother was dying of cancer and so literally one day he shows up on my parents doorstep mom and i got home from church one sunday and i'm in the bathroom changing out of my church clothes putting on jeans and she comes in and she goes guess who's here
0: mm.
3: and she tells me and i just looked at her like, <laughs> funny that's real funny no, he's he's in the living room sitting on the couch talking with your dad. Yeah, now I know you're messing with me. <laughs> no, funny. so I honestly thought she was just jacking around. And she left the room. I finished changing my clothes went into the kitchen to find me some lunch. And then I hear a laugh and I'm like, Oh, crap. Oh crap. She wasn't joking. Oh, crap. Oh, crap. Why is he here? Okay. okay. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, if I just sit here quietly long enough,
1: I'll go away.
3: He'll leave.
1: Because you didn't and want to again, see him at I'm, this time because he had moved. So you were kind of just like.
3: Yeah, we dropped all contact when
1: okay. he moved. Okay, got it, got it, got it.
3: No contact whatsoever. Okay. And apparently, for whatever reason, he ended up moving back to the area. And so I had hoped that he was just going to get tired of waiting on me and. Wait.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Nope. Again, I'm a wheelchair user. My chair creaked.
1: I shifted my you weight. You knew you were there. And mm-hmm.
3: it creaked. And I hear, hi, Lisa. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Go around the corner. I, we chatted for a little while. And that was it. And part of it was because he caught me at a very, very crappy time in my life. Because again, coming straight off my own health issue, right into helping be a caretaker for my mom. Mm -hmm. And next thing I know, things just progressed. He ended up, I found out that he lived in the town where mom was going for chemo and we would go hang out. um, And it just slowly, he drew me back in as Mm -hmm. they do. And then come, 2008, she ended up passing away on his birthday. Yeah. And so that dawned on me on the way home from the hospital and um, ended up reaching out to him at the advice of his sister. And at the time I thought this was a really good green flag Mm -hmm. that he just dropped everything, showed up at my house and was there. But he also brought one of his siblings who was extremely disrespectful mm-hmm. and was just trying to be why can't you just smile I know you're going to be sad but you, you still can smile and just all ugh, she just frustrated the crap out of me and he did nothing about it and so he at the time, I took it as a good thing that he was seemingly super supportive and all this and that, but one of the first instances of sexual violence, um, which at the time I took as him just not being used to seeing me all dressed up, was on the way to, um, we left the funeral, and we're headed to the graveside ceremony, and I was wearing a skirt and next thing I know he forced his hand between my legs and inside my underwear and he ended up showing up at that gravesite ceremony with a nice big old claw mark on his arm because that's what it took to get me to get him to pull his arm away and to stop doing what he was doing I had to get pretty physically forceful with him because I'm five foot two. He's not. He's big.
0: <laughs> and Were you, sorry to interrupt, were you dating at the time? Yeah, we, it had become another dating relationship again by that okay. point. Okay. And the, and the reason I bring that up is um, there can be stigma or myth around, well, if you're married to this person or they're your partner, you know, it's not that sexual is, assault, which assault. is mm-hmm. yeah. complete bullshit, uh, right? We were so just I just wanted to point that out. Correct yeah interesting um and and like you said he was seemingly (laughs) oh sorry you said he was seemingly supportive and i was thinking about how people who are abusive show up in such a different way like we have no idea like nobody ever you know sees themselves getting this far with this person we Mm. we go by how they show up in the beginning so it sounds like almost like it was romantic that he showed up mm-hmm. if I'm understanding correctly? Like, oh, he's
1: you know, because like what we learn in
0: movies and all of these things, like mm-hmm. oh, they love me, they're here, yay, mm-hmm. you know, yeah.
3: and then like and it's he so was basically time. coming to
1: the rescue. He was like, Oh
3: exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And that's part of it is um, and this is also how when it comes to the disability side of it, um people saw that he had literally swooped in at a hard time in my life and was really really there and so abusers who target individuals with disabilities and i remember this day distinctly the day he figured this out right um he and i were engaged this by this particular point and when this Mm -hmm. incident occurred he and i were going into the grocery store and he was helping me out of his truck, no big deal, common thing. And this random older gentleman happens to notice and makes a comment about, and literally does the whole slapping him on the back of the shoulder and just talking him him about how he must be such a good man and how he must be such an amazing human to make someone like me feel so special. Uh. And just the way he said it, I'm just like, and again, at this point, I had a ring on my finger, and I'm like, by the way, legit relationship. Mm-hmm. Not, yeah, can so we just like mm-hmm.
0: normalize all bodies? By the way, I mean, right, and right, it was like, yeah, it's like, was he able
3: bodied? Yeah, completely non disabled. Mm-hmm. And, um, <sighs> as soon as that occurred, I kid you not. I saw him just like puff up with pride, and I'm going, And from there on out, that's when he knew that people had that hero worship mentality, because here he is, this average Joe with no disability whatsoever, Mm -hmm. and me having such an obvious disability with my wheelchair and all this and that. Mm -hmm. Oh, he got put on a pedestal real quick and in a hurry. And that goes to believability. Mm. I don't know how many times I have heard this Mm -hmm. and the day that I made my first disclosure, trying to leave, he wouldn't do that. Why would he be with you if he's not a good man? Why would he be with someone like you literally gesturing towards my wheelchair? If he wasn't a good man, are you sure you Which, know what abuse is?
1: I just want to say as well to anyone of our listeners, because I th- that's such a great point, And I'm really thankful that you brought that up because abusive people f- feed off of that. They thrive off of it. You know, many, many times when, when we leave an abusive partner, our friends and family even are shocked because they're so, they come across as, the hero or the good guy or look at me I'm my wife is in a wheelchair like I have to be such a patient guy or whatever or so charming or all the things so it exactly and I just want to reiterate to anyone listening who's experiencing that like it does absolutely um, play into mm-hmm. if you are believed and it's just like so anyone who's listening we just encourage you to speak literally speak your truth <laughs> just like the mm-hmm. name of yeah. uh, just like the name of the Contact organization you need some validation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah speak your truth because your mm-hmm. that's all that you have and so anyway i want to get back to the story but i just wanted I, to well, like reiterate I a,
0: that i have a quick question too because I, I was wondering if this is part of it um because we experience so much isolation from our support systems our friends our family how was that, um, as far as you were, were concerned? Was it, yeah. um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know why, I, I, I almost envision, because I've heard this happening, where you know, someone in a wheelchair, they will take their wheelchair, so they can't get around, oh, um, and make God. it even yeah. worse. Is,
3: yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, destruction or deprivation of adaptive equipment is a
1: huge thing. What?
3: In oh, that makes me so,
1: like, freaking angry. Denial
3: of medication. Like, especially if someone has seizure medications and then they have a seizure because they were denied that medication, guess what? Then you can't drive until you're seizure-free. Causing damage to, and this was one of my huge fears when I left. Um, I had had a relative come and pick me up because the night that I left, I was just like enraged. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't need to be driving. He, he, you need to come get me because just just do. Mm-hmm. And I have hand controls in my massive pickup <laughs> that I drive. And so when I was able to legally take possession back, I'm, we were completely aware that he might tamper with it. Yeah. So that was part of it is my family was in um, a vehicle in front of me. I had some family friends in a vehicle behind me. And we were just putt, putt, put, putting along until I had chance to really...
1: To try okay, this everything. Is working,
3: this is working. Okay, nothing's been tampered with. It's safe to drive. Let's boogie. You so know?
1: so when you guys got married, what was some of, like... <clears throat> and, of course, we don't want you to have to relive all these horrible experiences, but I'm just wondering if there was, like... First of all, how long were you married for? And, like, what, what were some of the patterns that you... Felt like, enough is enough. I need to leave. He and I, by the time I left, we were married
3: for just over six years. Okay. By the time everything was finalized legally, just a hair over seven. Okay. And, um, <clears throat> sorry, can you say the question again? Sorry.
1: Yeah, I'm just wondering, um, kind of, You know, just reiterating that I don't want you to have to like relive any particular experiences, I guess, more just curious of like, what patterns were you noticing um, come up in the relationship that, you know, Um, that you just said, like, I, this, I need to leave. It took me
3: that last disclosure that I made um, was about a year and a half before I finally left for good. I had known up to that point that things were bad, but um, it took me all of that point to be able to spit out I'm in an abusive relationship. It took me being completely sleep deprived because sleep was not safe because of either physical or sexual attacks.
1: Oh my goodness, okay. I was gonna ask Uh what type of violence, like emotional abuse, physical abuse yeah, there was abuse, everything I've okay. been
3: strangled I've been physically kicked out of the bed I have had um concussions I have had times where I had to miss work at my old job because I would be woken up in the middle of the night by him grabbing me by my hair
2: mm.
3: so forcefully that the next day I could not turn my head at all like I mean even just moving my head just a little bit to look over to the side of the bed to see my wheelchair,
0: to Mm -hmm. transfer
3: over safely. I had to turn my entire upper body Mm -hmm. because my neck and my shoulders were still so tight. Yeah.
0: Um,
3: the day before I made that disclosure, um, it was all verbal assaults, but it was to the point of what I now know to be dissociation. um, in that point where i went back after that major rejection from all those people um i've had a hammer thrown at me mm. i have ptsd when it comes to driving in certain types of scenarios um i'm not even gonna go there because i can't yeah
1: that's <laughs> so a, that's okay it's a lot
3: so yeah it was all of it it was financial by manipulation. I never knew when the bills were paid. It was financial Mm -hmm. by losing my job due to sleep deprivation. It was emotional, sexual, physical, all of it. And all of these things can be perpetrated towards people with disabilities. People Mm -hmm. oftentimes think that certain types of abuse cannot be perpetrated towards people like me that's utter crap yeah and (laughs) it can and it does
1: happen I'm really glad you said that too and I just I like to reiterate for listeners that I'm glad you shared that as well because Michelle and I talk often on the show that there's so many and you guys share it speak your truth there's so many different there's not just one type of abuse there's not just like just physical or just sexual or just emotional or just financial and often abusive people they can pick one or two or they can do all of them and and so i think it's so important for listeners to know like if you're not getting physically hit but you're you know like they're they're, but there's emotional or maybe you're getting physically hit but they're really sorry and they're never ever called you a name like it doesn't matter it's so. i just wanted to reiterate that i'm glad you said that and i and i'm yeah, so we, I'd like to, even
0: with like the sleep deprivation, like mm-hmm. that's so real. Just keeping us awake so we can't sleep. If we're so exhausted, mm-hmm. or texting us all day and making it really difficult to focus. Or mm-hmm. if we want to mm-hmm. go out and get an education, that's a threat to their power and control. And I was thinking about the lack of education, um, not just only around domestic violence, but domestic violence with marginalized communities mm-hmm. and yeah. how many things oh, yeah. get get looked past. And I was and I I was really curious like what what would you like to see change?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um
3: one of the things going back to the sleep deprivation, um that's a huge tactic because a lot of people assume that the only one that is credible in an interabled relationship especially the, the person that is non-disabled is the credible one because they assume cognition. And going oh. back to sleep deprivation,
0: I never that is that. one
3: thing where when, because sleep deprivation is going to affect anybody, disability mm-hmm. or no, and it's going to affect yeah. your functionality. So when people start asking questions of, is she okay or are they okay hmm. because i don't want to use just female pronouns mm-hmm. <laughs> then the abuser will come along and yeah they're just declining
1: that yeah. that's
3: a huge or they can thing. make you no, feel crazy it's sleep deprivation yeah
1: they can use it to make so, you
3: feel crazy like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah or to say that your um disability is um degenerative in some way whatsoever Mm -hmm. which mine is not (laughs) and so that's one thing that I really want to drive home to people is that when someone like me makes a disclosure Mm. I don't care how nice the perpetrator is yeah I don't care how churchy they might be how God-loving they might be how attractive they might be how helpful they seem and Quit putting people on a pedestal just because they're in a relationship with someone
1: like me. Yeah. Mm. I I think it's interesting too. I I just want to say like, did he, or I want to ask, I guess, did he make you, because you've said a couple of times, like someone like you, and did he make you feel bad about yourself for that?
3: And that's another huge one of who the F else is going to want you. Do you not realize how lucky you are that you're getting any in the first place? Oh my gosh. Plus married. Wow. And that's the thing is, especially for folks like me who grow up with a disability,
1: Yeah.
3: a lot of folks don't realize that they are conditioning kids to not mm-hmm. have standards. They never drive home that you can establish boundaries. Mm-hmm. You can tell people to piss off Mm -hmm. (laughs) you can tell people i'm not accepting this from you yeah that's not right that crosses a line and so when we get into relationships a lot of times people don't even know what's healthy and so we don't even realize that we are conditioned to accept less yeah people it is okay to tell people what you will and will not accept to set boundaries and to stick with them if they get peed off at you, that right there is your indication that they probably weren't right for you in the first place at bare minimum. Mm. They might've been
0: an abuser. I love that you said that because I, I feel like you us, as, as you know, we, we are conditioned to settle, right? And so I, um, not until recently, uh, really started owning who I am because I felt like I didn't deserve to be picky Mm-hmm. I didn't deserve to be selective. And so, you know, I'm wondering, you know, it sounds like that might be something, you know, oh, yeah. someone, in, yeah. And it's like, and also, like, you can't pick, I can't emphasize this enough. You cannot pick an abuser out of a crowd, and you cannot pick a victim out of a crowd. Right. So when people are like, oh, he's a really nice guy, but he seems so nice, it's like they don't go out and be like, hey, everyone, I'm an mm-hmm. abuser, just wanted to let you know. Yeah. No. They, <laughs> Yeah. Well, they and exactly like that
1: did that. right, and exactly like Lisa, like how Lisa shared, like he he kind of, he showed up that way. Like your mom died, and he was like, "I'm here. I'm gonna help you." Like he mm-hmm. he showed up to you at first as that way as well. So, I love that point that you say, Michelle. We we never know. We that's why we always advocate for going slow, <laughs> slow as molasses in a relationship, mm-hmm. and leaning back, and you know. But I so.
0: Well, and I'm, I'm still curious too, like, what would you like to see change within these systems that aren't accommodating people Mm -hmm. like you? Physical accessibility
3: is getting better. I am seeing more and more Mm of that. So we're on a good track with that, but a lot of it is more social beliefs Mm -hmm. and Having this mentality of people with disabilities being lesser and people without disabilities being more than and when folks like me make disclosures, it's automatic doubt. Even, and I know that every abuse survivor deals with that. I'm not negating that whatsoever. However, in the disability community, there is. more of a mentality of assumption of cognition
2: Mm -hmm.
3: and so going back to what I was told are you sure you understand what abuse really is right after I had just disclosed sexual assault strangulation and being called names that I will not even Mm -hmm. go there to spit off you know <laughs> which is like we should be asking them are
1: you sure you know what it is yeah, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. well michelle and i had this conversation recently in regards to something else that yes. like i think even just you know, there's so much there's your story is so rich like there's so many parts to it and so like even just i think the fact that you were married and a lot of people go well you were married you can't be assaulted like you can't be sexually assaulted if you're married right but yeah, consent still exists. Yep. Mm-hmm.
3: And that's the thing is, there's people out
1: there that um,
3: assume that folks like me, first of all, can't get legitimately married because there's still people that I run into that are honestly surprised that I had to go through the divorce process of, uh, yeah, I did, I haven't picked it. Proven. <laughs> and a lot of why, people- Why do they think it was, Yeah, why sorry, do they what think it, it was why? because they don't think that folks like me can legally get married. And yes, there are some oh, barriers weird. to that, like with um, with Medicaid. As soon as I mm. was married and the marriage certificate went through, I got a letter from Medicaid saying, congratulations, we're dropping you. So there are people Another that can stay in thing long-term relationships but don't get married because oh. they don't lose their benefit. And part pardon it, my ignorance.
0: I wanted to ask you why. Okay, thank you for saying that, because that needs to change. But oh, why yeah. do people oh, yeah. it people think it wouldn't be possible for someone like you to get married? That's the piece I kind of I wasn't understanding. Um, there was a point where folks like
3: me couldn't legally get married. And there's the assumption that um, Please. especially in an inter April relationship that the non-disabled individual is only with someone like me out of pity or out of a caregiver role. Trust me, he was not my caregiver at all. <laughs> and you are probably more of his just, caregiver. Yeah, probably. Don't even give me started. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I just, there's just some wrong I assumptions toward individuals with disabilities that we cannot be fully in a committed I can't, intimate oh, partnership you I, know and it, it's just i yeah, can't even it, it's imagine
1: like i can't even imagine what like so my oldest son is 25 and his girlfriend is disabled um and like she was born with something where she can't use her her right arm is was never really functional it was just yeah it's just been a whole thing it was something that happened during birth but it ripped all the nerves and like so the way so she's never had the use of her right arm or like a lot of the right side of her body and like you know she is a gem and like she still we practiced jujitsu together like she has still won she went she did um worlds she fights with one arm she only has one what arm and thing? what this oh, yeah. th- and she has constant pain on the side of the body so my son is like you know they like she has special um prosthesis that she can wear to like give support but it's like the it's been really interesting and eye-opening for me um the ignorance around people with disabilities anyways where like people have you know kind of even said like. Oh, like what? What's happened with your son's girlfriend? Like, what's going on? You know, and it's just kind of like, excuse me, like she's an amazing. She's yeah. they're in love. Yeah. Like, what do you mean? What's going on with her? Like, what? Um, what is their problem? People need to fucking know. Right. Right. Exactly. Matter. Exactly. But mm-hmm. I've I've noticed. Uh, so I, I'm sure. I just want. I bring that up to say, I've learned a lot from my son from my son's girlfriend. Just asking her questions. So it's like. I'm sure life has presented challenges to you, regardless, because you are in a wheelchair and the world is built for people who can walk on two legs or have two arms. Yeah. Yeah. Like (laughs) the world, the world is built for the, you know, whatever. But to add on to that, the abuse and physical sexual financial isolation you know um i would love to hear because i'm looking at you and for listeners because we don't record this on video you know you're beautiful and you have great attitude and you're helping speak your truth and you're like (laughs) nickname shenanigans or whatever so obviously (laughs) like you find fun and humor in life and so yeah so I'm (laughs) like I'd love to hear how so the point where you left and your family came and helped you and you guys so so kind of how are you doing today you know how did you get yourself to this happy, you know, to where you are today, just at a more, you know, a better spot. A lot of it
3: was, speak your truth. Um, When speak your truth came along, um, my divorce stuff had just wrapped up the previous December. So just a couple months prior. And yeah, I have some good people in my life but that has grown because there are more people that provide validation and don't fire back with those questions of, well, was he just burned out from taking care of you? (laughs) No, no, he wasn't. And even if he was burned out, that doesn't justify it. So
1: there's (laughs) never an excuse for abuse. That's what we always say. Um, And it's one of those things that
3: you have to find that community whether it's through a trauma-informed counselor Mm -hmm. whether it's through a trauma-informed um support group at your local domestic violence facility whether it's us at speak your truth come
1: talk to us please i love (laughs) knowing Um, that that's that speak your truth was like I love that. Like, Hannah, that's got to feel amazing Mm -hmm. to know. Um, I get emotional when we talk about stuff like this, so sorry, but just to know, even through your, um, you know, how you started to speak your truth, that it really is working and it really is providing that sense of belonging and that sense of community because you're not alone. We always say that you're not crazy and you're not alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that... um...
2: I, I have a hard time taking any ownership over anything because <laughs> all I did was post my post and then all <laughs> of a sudden Facebook decided to make it go viral, but, um, That's not all you but, did.
1: Cause you could have left it, you could have <laughs> left it right there and said, wow, one time I uh-huh. had this one time, this Facebook post went viral, but, <laughs> but you've now created a vibrant community of mm-hmm. what last time you were on here was 18,000 oh, members. Rough, yeah yeah i
2: think that what's interesting for me is that um you know that all happened and the group started right in the middle of my own divorce and so it was a group just like lisa is saying like it's an incredibly empowering and healing space um when you're going through it and i was going through it and i needed I needed the group just as much as they needed it themselves too and so i'm right there with lisa like a speaker truth was a massive Mm -hmm. um you know i i do not think that i would be as healed as i am today without it
1: and look at look at y'all now look at you guys now (laughs) i
2: was wondering too and thank you for
0: all that you do hannah and lisa um because truly it we have to be into this together. And I'm not gonna go off on a tangent too much, but I feel like sometimes in the nonprofit world, there's a lot of competition for grant monies and all of Mm -hmm. that. And and that's not what it's about. It's about coming together so we can create a world where this isn't a problem Mm -hmm. anymore. I'm wondering, what do you want other people with disabilities who have experienced domestic violence to know? Mm -hmm. What do you think is something really important?
1: I love that question, Michelle. Thank Mm -hmm. you for asking that.
3: That you're having a disability is never, has never, will never, be a justification for abuse. Mm-hmm. There is no excuse.
1: There's no It is
3: on excuse. purpose, but your disability did not cause it. Guess what? My abuser, far as I can tell, the one that I've seen him running around with now, as far as I can tell, she is not disabled whatsoever. Garen freaking tea, he's still abusing
1: her. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I don't know if you and know me and Michelle's really story. Mistaken. Me and Michelle had the same abusive partner 15 years <laughs> apart. They don't change. Oh. That's how we that was how we started this. Her she was with the man i married in 2000 and i married him in 2016. so yeah we and he didn't get any smarter
0: about it He
1: still either. did the same tactics <laughs> to both of us <laughs> they never nope so you're absolutely right
3: it up a little bit but yeah no and <clears throat> that's that's the other thing talking about tactics with disability the abuse is still there but there are just different nuances, like we were talking about Mm -hmm. um, the medication denial, the destruction of Mm -hmm. one's wheelchairs walkers, um, prosthetics, um, pain controls on a vehicle, Mm -hmm. whatever the case may be. It just allows them different methodologies for abuse, but they're going to continue to do that whether the next one happens to be disabled or not. It just gives them Mm -hmm. different ways to do it.
1: I have a question and then I want us to be able to look cause I know you and Hannah have compiled some more statistics and, and it's, um, you know, there's, um, uh, just some, some different things we wanted to allow you guys to have some space to really think about and talk about and share with our listeners. But I wanted to just ask you when you were going, like you are so spirited and so, um, it seems like I'm hoping I don't, you know, I don't know how to word this. Like, did you lose your spirit at any point that you were with him? And how did you come back to this, like, feisty, like, I am as much of a valuable human as anyone else? Like, how can you just speak to that part of your journey a little bit? And then I would love to allow you guys to kind of look through or talk, talk through your doc. Mm -hmm. The day
3: that I made that initial failed disclosure, trying to seek help from my former church, um, I went back thinking that if those people will not validate me, will not hear me, then maybe this is my fault. And maybe if he Mm. kills me, he kills me. I no longer care. I got that low.
0: Yeah.
3: I no longer fought back. I just, I was a shell of who I once was. Mm And <clears throat> had <clears throat> a lot more instances of what I now know to be dissociation. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I just, I was, during my divorce, oh my gosh, I started to go bald. Mm-hmm. This way and that way. Um, massive welts, lots of physical mm-hmm. symptoms. Yeah. And just, but... I was able to find that first night that I left, best night's sleep that I'd had in probably four and a half years Mm -hmm. because I was physically Mm -hmm. safe to do so. Mm -hmm. And I still deal with some PTSD, Mm -hmm. um, the occasional nightmare, Um, anxiety is a bitch.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: (laughs) But there's times when I still go to events that I know he's probably going to be there, but I don't give a rip because I'm going to go and I'm just going to make friends with security. I'm going <laughs> to tell them, "Hey, he's over there. Make Good. sure he don't come within ten foot of me, please." Thank yeah. you. <laughs> and it works. And I've heard that it pisses him off.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And but and you things oh, okay. sorry. No, you go ahead. You go ahead. It's one of those
3: things that once the fog starts to lift and you find the validation and you start that healing process and you start to figure out that no this wasn't my fault it's all on that asshole (laughs) pardon my french yeah (laughs) Uh, that it's once you start to chip away at the false beliefs that they have embedded in you and you start sleeping better start eating better, start getting more fresh air, start feeling safe to go outside. Yeah. And just get even just little bits of a sense of normalcy Mm -hmm. that works wonders. And finding people that say, yep, I get that. And by the way, that thing that you said that you experienced, that's called dissociation. That's called strangulation. That's called rape. That's called sexual assault. That's and naming it what it is and not telling you that you're nuts and that you don't know what you're talking about, that right there That's power. Is a jumpstart to my healing process. It's being believed.
1: That's one of the reasons we wanted to start this podcast was because I know Michelle and I both experienced that personally and just would wanting people to know you're not crazy. There's a name to what's happening to you there's a name to the tactic that this person is doing. And when you start to realize like, these are, this is called gaslighting. This is called manipulation. This is called, there's seven different types of abuse. Like there's this, like when you start to learn disassociation or the trauma bond, or, you know, just like how even like our, our body can actually like forcibly shut us down and put us into the parasympathetic nervous system. Like, and like, it's, or like the physical symptoms, like you said, with the hair falling mm. out, the welts, you know, we've shared on the podcast before I had similar things. Like, would I have like electrical shocks in my sleep and like mm. lumps in my armpits? Because your body, so it's like all, when you realize that you're not alone in that, it is the most, it, it can be in, the best step in healing to realize <sighs> I am safe and I'm not crazy. Mm.
0: You know, I think, I love it. You shared that, too, because I think, like, you know, working with victims for over a decade, I can say, don't tell me anything about your abusive partner. Here's what I know. And here's the patterns I've seen, because they're not that clever. Um, We have very different Mm -hmm. stories, but the the tactics are very similar. Mm -hmm. Like, do you know him? do you know them and we I'm hear like, that in no, and speaking and truth all the time Of yes. <laughs> we the were you married mine? to my husband yes, yeah the same, handbook, the same handbook and you know things, <laughs> something was yeah, on my exactly. mind a lot it's too that's so like, funny it's like when people say oh i didn't recognize the red flags or you know mm-hmm. i told her there were red flags or i told them there were red flags and i'm like oh i don't get to go around being like well I'm going to take advantage of that person too bad. They didn't recognize the red flags. Mm -hmm. Like why, what, that doesn't even make sense to me. Like Mm -hmm. I don't get to be entitled like that. Yeah, And even if we do know, it doesn't, it's still no excuse for abuse. It's still, there has to be accountability Mm -hmm. in the person that's making the choice to do it. And I'm really, really tired of people saying I should have known the red flags. Yeah. And it's not
3: bad every day. That's one thing that, people were so shocked. I mean, when they would see us out and about, he seemed so kind. He seemed so attentive. He seemed so helpful and all this and that. And I'm like, yeah. And did you notice when I was at family Christmases and Thanksgiving, how I did not want to go out the door because I knew the minute that we were in the truck together, that I was no longer safe.
1: Yeah, you were in trouble. Oh, I hated that. And also do you think he's
0: gonna be like going around being like, hey, I'm abusive?
1: Right? You know,
0: like, you know, the, and abusers we
1: always remind our listeners abusers don't show up that way every single day there are time they have to be nice some um, they are they have good days too which is enough to keep you around but Getting i wanted to knowledge. i wanted to um bring this back to um so hannah and lisa have created a, this amazing um uh document for us that i'm going to try to figure out how to attach to um, our anchor um because april actually is sexual assault awareness month and so i wanted to um just kind of maybe give you guys you know the floor for 10 minutes to go through any other bullet points that you guys compiled that you want to share because this is really important stuff and we're so thankful that you guys took the time to you know put all this information together for our listeners yeah, yeah,
2: of course. I think um, I think maybe Lisa, what we could share is some um, spe- specifics on how sexual assault looks at, with people with disabilities because it does look a little bit different. Um, and I think education is like the most important thing, right? So um, at, when you don't know it's abuse, you don't think it's abuse. You don't, you you know. So um, so some of these tactics some of these abusive tactics i think are really important to share so lisa you can feel free to share
3: okay i'm gonna throw in some statistics and some tactics and different things and a couple of them i've already talked on touched on a little bit um going into the gaslighting um, of who is ever gonna want you you should be glad that you're in a relationship and getting any in the first place I don't know how many people that I've talked to that are disabled that hear that exact same thing mm-hmm. because <laughs> it hits that am I ever going to be wanted? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be by that jackwad. <laughs> <laughs> and just to kind of reiterate how extremely common these things are
0: mm-hmm.
3: and again, it's not just women. 1 in 4 male victims who experienced sexual violence other than rape were disabled. Wow. One in two. Okay. And here's another one. 90% of people with developmental disabilities will experience some sort of sexual assault. Here's the thing. When you have someone who does have a disability that has any sort of cognitive aspect to it whatsoever, believability through the floor. Mm. And it goes to being able to report. It goes to knowing what you experienced in the first place. There's so much gaslighting of that wasn't assault. That wasn't rape. That wasn't whatever from the abuser. That was just me giving you attention or me helping you with whatever,
0: Mm -hmm.
3: and going into some tactics, like inappropriate touching. That first experience that I had when I was in the hospital, that was, I was on bed rest for months and months and months, Mm -hmm. and probably a little TMI, but when you can't get out of bed, you can't get up to go pee. So there was a catheter. That's what that particular perpetrator used to victimize me was it's got to be clean. Yeah, but you didn't have to wow. to, to the extent that you did. Um, another one is using someone's own medication to incapacitate um, someone in order to commit sexual assault. So they don't even realize that this happened unless they wake up and there's some sort of physical indication of that and well and then they'll say oh well you were just drunk or you were just high or you were just whatever nope you were drugged intentionally by your abuser
2: yeah yeah i think it's also important to mention that like um you know, something that Lisa <laughs> explained to me when we were um, writing this all out was that, you know, um, sexual advances towards people with disabilities can look similar to, you know, um, people who are not disabled. However, the means of escape and self defense are dramatically hindered, you know?
1: Yeah, that's a, yeah, I didn't, ooh, yeah. Yeah.
2: You yeah. know? there was one particular
3: sexual assault incident where I was completely pinned down. And of course, Mm. below the waist is pretty much useless for much of anything. So I couldn't just kick him. But I still wonder to this day if he's got the bite mark that I left that finally was what worked. Right. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's all. That's the only recourse that I had is I leaned forward on the shoulder. Yeah. And Let's see what else am I forgetting to cover,
1: Hannah.
2: <laughs> I think we covered quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I I would love to touch on um, our sexual assault awareness campaign if you guys are are cool
1: with that. I would um, love that, and we will. Yeah. If you share the link to, we are, we're happy yeah. to share the link on our social media as well as on our anchor.
2: Awesome. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, speak your truth. Uh, we're in the middle of a sexual assault awareness campaign. Um, if you guys didn't know, um, we mentioned it earlier, but April is sexual Assault awareness month. And, um, and if you guys don't know, there's actually a day called denim day. Um, have you guys ever heard of that? Laura? Yes, I have. Okay, yeah. We do that that here, yeah. Yeah, Mm so um, Denim Day, I actually learned about it after my abusive relationship. Um, My sister is in a sorority whose um, uh, philanthropy is domestic violence, so they did a big thing on Denim Day, and that's where I first started learning about it, but the history of it is actually quite well, it's maddening, but it's a very important history where um, the Italian parliament in like the late 1990s um, actually overturned a rape case because of this new evidence that uh, came forward where um, they decided that the the victim was wearing tight jeans and must have helped the perpetrator take off her jeans, therefore implying consent. And so, it's uh, the next day. Um, the women in the Italian Parliament came um, to work wearing jeans in solidarity with the victim. And so, um, it's kind of become like an international holiday um, surrounding um, you know sexual assault survivors and encouraging um, you know the eradication of victim blaming and really understanding um, kind of, uh, well, believing survivors um, and um, understanding more about the nuances of, of sexual assault and what it looks like. So um, so we're encouraging all of our network to wear denim on Denim Day and post it up and share with their, um, you know, network about the importance of the day and, um, and really, you know, um, be an ally for, um, sexual assault survivors. So we are having a fundraiser as well. Yeah. Sorry. What was that?
0: Oh, no, I was just going to say, you can do cute little things too. Like we did like take some denim and make a little, like a safety pin and glue it and represent in that way yeah we made some really cool things because people are like what is that you know Mm -hmm. and raising that awareness sorry go ahead
2: no you're fine yeah yeah I know I need to go to like Goodwill or something and and get a bunch of denim I want to find like a denim shirt I already have like you know a jacket and stuff I want to be decked out I've got
1: a full I've got like a full denim outfit I can wear
2: (laughs) Yes, Minus I know. You know shoes. what'd be fun is finding one of those jumpers. Who wears a jumper that's <laughs> denim? Um, there's some famous women that does amazing it. people.
1: Yeah, I don't know, but I that saw too. a very cute like <laughs> little denim jumper at Marshalls today. I was like, Aww. oh, you did? I oh, wish wow. I, I didn't I did buy it because I didn't Marshalls have it in though. my size. Uh, but yeah, so no, I love that though. That that Wednesday, April twenty seventh is denim day, and the whole month of April is um um sexual assault awareness month so what is the the campaign so you guys are trying to raise money i would love to hear about that
2: yeah we're trying to raise 15 grand um and it's actually going to be used towards um thoroughly training our volunteers um to really be educated and um and know how to deal with these traumas um when they do show up on our page we you know in in our support group we have been the first um people that you know, people reach out to after a mm-hmm. sexual assault encounter mm-hmm. um, that has happened many times. Um, and it is a very scary, you know, sometimes it's scary situations. And so we really want to um, have our volunteer team um, very thoroughly trained. We um, have put together an ambassador program is what we're calling it, where they're getting trained in mandated reporting, suicide gatekeeping, trauma-informed care, and their state's 40 hour domestic violence advocate training. So. All of that costs money. and yeah. um, and so we're raising awareness um, surrounding sexual assault and raising money for um for that so um so yeah throughout the month if you follow us on our socials facebook or instagram um you'll see that we'll be posting a lot more um education surrounding sexual assault um and but also um what i love most is sharing member stories so um some members have been very brave and have given us some quotes to share um and they're really really powerful so those will be coming out this month
1: too. i love that I love that and I I, you said something I just want to touch on and I know we're trying to wrap up but you said something I want to touch on that's so important that and and like Lisa this was your experience too that like for many uh people coming out of domestic violence a a group like speak your truth is their first line of safety Mm -hmm. like this is like the first time I mean it was the same for me it was like Finding a group was the first. It was the first time that names were put to things that were happening. That I heard other people who I could hear my story and their stories. So it's so important for anyone who's listening to help us just spread the word and share. Even if people just visit Speak Your Truth social media, Speak Your Truth website, and share it because this is a lifeline, right? And like Lisa, like just even hearing you say this was like really Speak Your Truth was the kind of turning point for you to feel like you had community and that you had you know you could have you know you know people validate what your experience was that's it's so important that's why we need this
3: i didn't have right we have huge list of resources and a whole section on disability specific stuff yeah so that's huge yeah your, huge thing your website
1: is amazing truth <laughs> website is so thorough it is the most thorough website i've ever seen in the best way and it's amazing so i really hope listeners um give it a visit and would consider donating anything they they can't feel called to um, even just beyond the fundraiser, just even, I'm sure you guys have donation links. You could probably use donations all the time, but you guys are doing incredible work. Um, yeah. yeah. And Lisa, your story is, as Michelle said, our stories might be vastly different, but they're still so the same. And I know Mm -hmm. Hannah, you know, when, when Hannah, when you were on sharing your story, we're all having that, like, yep. Yep. I totally get it. And I love the fact that we can come on and be united and strengthen numbers and helping each other heal and Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah.
2: thank you so much for having us on I was so excited to yeah be able to be on again and and you know hear more of Lisa's story I have heard Lisa's story several times but every single time she shares there's always something new that I learn and I always get homicidal
1: yeah I was thinking that I was like Lisa, you know I do Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, right? I don't know where you live, but <laughs> I could do some damage. <laughs> well, before we, before I turn off the recording, I do like to um, always let listeners know um, anytime that, it, that we do always share the National Domestic Violence Hotline, that phone number is one 800 799 7233 Or you can text the word start to 88788. You can visit Hannah's website, today. There's as you guys said, there's so many, um, there's so much information on there and, and great resources. And I cannot thank you both enough for coming on the show again. And Lisa, thank you for being transparent and just being willing and open to share your story and your heart. I know I get emotional when I talk about it and listen. And I, so it's really takes a lot of courage and I want to just acknowledge that it takes a lot of courage to share and open those wounds back up. So thank you. But I always like to remind listeners um, if you can give us a share, give us a follow Um, If you feel called to leave us a good review, you can find us anywhere podcasts can be streamed. And as always, you're not crazy and you are not alone.